Hey there, it's a night school mobile episode. A mobile, mobile episode here. And we're at, I was going to say Westboro Baptist Church, but it's actually called Westfield. I don't know, it's, it's something West, but I always think of Westboro. You know, uh, you know who they are. I don't need to tell you who they are. You've seen the documentaries. You've judged them just like they've judged you. But uh, yeah, I'm at this Baptist church near my house and I've really enjoyed coming here recently because it's been mostly empty. They have this big grounds, this little section of woods where they had a, uh, what's it called, a, a hang glider? Not a hang glider. Uh, you know one of those things, it's like a, a a rope or a you know a steel this is really derailing my episode here but it's where someone glides across between two trees using a bar what's that called I don't remember I just used it the other day I just said it the other day I'm losing it uh, literally losing my my language my words but they've got one of those in the woods it's really overgrown so it's kind of cool they've got a bunch of tires strung up in what used to be an obstacle course but that's grown over too they have some big fields but churches are a really nice place to come right now because they're empty they're churches they're temples you know who doesn't want to be around a big temple especially right now uh, so it, it's a good place to come and then on top of that this place this particular church every summer they have a church camp for kids they have a church camp for adults. No, they have a church camp for kids, and it's called Summer Hummer. Every year, it's a big deal. Tons of kids come to it, and a guy goes out and he stands out near the entry entryway to the church parking lot with a big wooden sign painted that says Summer Hummer with an arrow pointing to the church, and it's just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable that they call this thing Summer Hummer. Does Hummer refer to something? You know, I mean, I know it's slang. We know what it's slang for, hence me joking about it right now. But, I mean, does that refer to anything? I mean, like, we know the slang. We know the vehicle. What else does it refer to? Does, does it refer to a camp? Does it refer to an event? I don't know. It certainly rhymes with summer. It certainly rhymes with summer. And that's what I'll say to the guy. I don't know if they're going to have it this year, given everything going on. Uh, you know, I hear that they're building elementary schools underground in the future. They're going to start building elementary schools underground, like underground military bases, but they'll be elementary schools. And I've been theorizing about that for years. It's my only conspiracy theory. I'm not into conspiracy theories. My one conspiracy theory that I came up with myself, and I continue to... I continue to, to hold true to this belief. It's that they're going to start building elementary schools underground. Things are going to be different. Life as we know it's going to be different, guys. The only thing that's going to be different in a year is elementary schools are going to be built underground. It's simple. You know, accept it now. It'll be less of a shock when it starts happening. It'll be less of a shock when you drive by your local elementary school and see them excavating uh, and digging a deep foundation that goes to the center of the earth. It'll be less shocking then. But anyway, Summer Hummer, I'm here at the church and 
There's another church too, uh, an LDS, Latter-day Saints, Mormon church I've been going to, and I found these big bones. They also have a big piece of property with big fields, and it's clearly not used very much even when church is in session. And they have this little corner of woods, and uh, you know you can hide back there pretty easily. And I found a bunch of big bones there, and I don't, I can't identify bones. I'm not a naturalist. I don't know what deer bones look like, unless there's a a, a full skeleton of something. I'm not going to be able to figure out what kind of animal it comes from. But there was this big bone, and it seemed it had to be a leg bone of some kind. But it seemed too short to be a deer leg. I mean, it looked like a human leg bone. That's all it comes down to. It looked like a human leg bone, and it seemed like somebody would leave a body in some remote corner of a large, sprawling Mormon church property, especially right now. But these bones were bleached. These weren't fresh bones. There was no meat hanging on these bones. They were big white bones, baby. What do you think of them big white bones in the corner of the churchyard? Um... But I'd like to get into the actual, the reason I hit record today. And I'm going to be talking about an idea that's benefited me a lot. And it's somewhat of a personal mantra. I don't remind myself of it that much. But when it hits me, it's usually the right thing that hits me at that given time. And that's help your rivals realize their dreams. And that doesn't mean giving them money. It doesn't mean you have to cheerlead them. It doesn't mean you have to become your rival's biggest fan and, uh, you know, basically cuckold yourself for someone else's benefit. It doesn't mean you should do that. But you can definitely get out of their way. If you find yourself in a rivalry with someone, if you see someone as your competition, for anything, because we find competitors everywhere. And I'm pro-competition. You know, I think when people willingly compete with each other, it's good. And I think that good things come out of that. Even if people aren't in a direct competition, like a sport or a fight or anything like that, I think having this weird abstract sense of competition causes people to push each other. And I've said this before, and I, I hold to it now, that some of the most competitive people I've ever met were creative people, artists and musicians. And they're the most in denial about their competitive urges, and they are some of the pettiest competitors. And it should be no surprise that I'm talking about, about myself too in saying that. I found that because creative people often feel like they've you know, found a loophole in life and that by being creative or gravitating toward strange subject matter, gravitating toward, you know, human expression in these various mediums, that somehow that that's a loophole and, and you have escaped the, the pointless, frustrating struggle of competition. You know, and, and, it's, and it, it's not a coincidence that creative people often hate sports they hate jocks. They feel that those people hate them. And I've seen it happen where I've known people who were never bullied. 
I've known people who never came into conflict with so-called jocks in high school. You know, a lot of people don't live in a TV show where jocks like smack them with trays in the cafeteria. I understand that that happens. And I understand that some jocks see that stereotype and think, oh, I'm going to be the mean jock. Because that's an archetype that I can be, I'm going to be the mean jock. So it's not that it doesn't happen, but I'll just say that I've known people who were never abused by jocks or athletes or preps or any of that in any way, who still hold on to this resentment of those people and almost have a fantasy that they were abused or bullied by those people. And it's, it's based on this kind of broad sweeping brush that because people like that have bullied people or have abused people, that means that, that means that they've abused you too in some weird way. It's, kind of, it's, it's what happens on a larger level with you know our, our ideas about prejudice, race, all these things, all these hot topics where you know it's, it's like if it hasn't happened to you personally, because it's happened to somebody like you, it almost gives you license to resent anybody who fits into that category. I'm getting too far out in the weeds here, but I want to get back to the point, which is help your rivals realize their dreams. And, you know, and I found that creative people often have rivals. They're often very competitive, but it, it manifests in this petty way because they think they've subverted those things. They think they've subverted the ape banging another ape over the head with a club. They think they've gotten around that. And they think what they're doing is better in, in, in many cases. But they end up trapped in that same world where they are fighting with somebody. But it's not, they're not standing and facing each other. They're doing it in a, in a roundabout way. And they constantly feel that somebody is stealing from them. Taking their idea. Uh, that someone is going to obtain a resource that they desire too and if that other person obtains that resource or takes control of that resource they won't get a taste you know I, I wrote a song about this and I found out that my rival wrote a song about that too I gotta release it first and let everybody know that I came up with my idea first I was the first man you know it's I was the first man I mean it goes back to that Somebody probably felt, you know, the second man and the first man to ever exist probably had a little competition going. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, I found that sometimes people think they've gotten away from that world of banging heads with another human being, and really they're doing it in a much more roundabout way, and in a lot of ways a lot more petty. Because with what I found with, you know, no holds barred, direct competition like football or sports is that people have an easier time losing because it's cut and dry you know nobody likes to lose but when someone's worked really hard they've trained really hard they know that their opponent has trained really hard when the other team is really good and you know you did your best but you just couldn't beat the other team it's easier to deal with that in a lot of ways. It's either it's easier to deal with direct competition where everybody knows the game that's being played. But people find these other ways to compete and they can do it with career, they can do it with relationships. 
They do it with creativity. They do it with art. People find a million, you know, people will find any outlet they can to compete with each other. And I think it's important to not be in denial about it. But back to the, the main idea, again, help your rivals realize your dreams, realize their dreams. Ooh, misspoke there. Help your rivals realize their dreams. And you start by getting out of their way. You don't have to pat them on the back. You don't have to stuff a $100 bill into their back pocket. But you get out of their way. And you realize by letting them get out of, by, by getting out of their way, you're getting out of your own way. Because you placed them in front of you. You placed this person in front of you and had this illusion that you're both going for something that's in between you. There's some object you've imagined that's dead center between you and this other person. Or if you're really petty, you think that they have an advantage. You think they're a little closer to this object, this resource that you both want. And you think like, I gotta get there first. I gotta get there first. And when you get out of your own way, uh, you get out of their way as well. You're just getting out of the way, period. It doesn't even have to be about getting out of their way or getting out of your own way. It's just getting out of the way. And when you do that, you might realize that that thing that you thought was the desirable resource is infinite. And you both have access to it, and neither of you can drain that thing. Because if it's such an important resource, if it's such a, a truly valuable resource, it's not valuable because it's limited or exclusive or only one person can get it. It is valuable because it is infinite. Because you can both draw from it. And it's not stuck in between you and this other person. It's not in this fixed place where you and this one other person have to fight over it. Fight o it's like fighting over a bone. It's like fighting over the big white bone I found uh, in the churchyard. But uh, there's this idea, though, that it's, there's this fixed thing, and you realize when you get out of the way that that resource actually wasn't stuck in between you and that other person, and you can actually pass by each other without running into each other, without banging your heads up against each other, without getting in each other's way. But you have to get out of the way first. And what you might realize, the really humbling thing that can happen when you get out of the way is you might find out that that other person never thought that you were in their way to begin with. You might find that they never saw you as competition, and that is humbling. If you've been sitting around thinking, oh, this person is, they're my competition, we're rivals, we're equals, we're essentially equals, because we're both going after the same thing, and we both have, you know, similar qualities, you know, we have similar ideas, uh, and you might find that that person didn't see you that way at all. They didn't think you were competition. And that should be even more reason to get out of the way. Because you're embarrassing yourself by getting out of the by, by staying in the way. And, uh, you know, it's, you might not, it might not be so direct as this, you know what I mean? Where it might not be something that is ex ever explicitly stated. But a lot of people feel this way inside. A lot of people feel that they have people they are in competition with, and it bothers them. 
it eats away at them in some way. And in the same way that having competition can push you, which I think it does, you know, it, it does both when it comes to sports or when it comes to art. You know, you train harder, you train longer if you're a football player so that you'll be better on the field because you know your opponent is training hard. You know, they are working hard too. So it forces you to work harder. And I think the same is true with art where it does allow you to push through in ways that you wouldn't otherwise. It does give you a little bit of fire. So I think that it's good in that way. And I think that that's all part of the path that you have to be on where you go through that. Probably when you're a young man, if you're a man, I'm speaking as a man here. I don't know. I know girls are uh, made. I know girls feel extremely competitive with each other. Um, to the same degree men do. I mean, having spoken to male and female friends over the years, I, I feel that men and women are equally competitive, but it comes out in different ways. But I'm speaking mainly as a man here, and I see where as a young man, it can be good to feel that fire. You don't want to get it, you don't want to let it get out of control. You don't want to hate your opponent. You don't want to hate your competition, but it can be valuable to see somebody or something as competition. Maybe everybody. Maybe it's healthier to kind of see a whole group as your competition. See yourself as one of many, rather than just, I'm the enemy of one person. You know, it's probably better to, to see it fairly broadly. And it can be good, it can cause you to hone your skills and push yourself further. But I think there does reach a point where it's no longer useful. You know, where, speaking of resources, where having that inner fire is good, but it's no longer the resource it was because it's turned into resentment. It's turned into some kind of misgiving. And it's something to be aware of when you find yourself with an inner fire you got to be careful because it can spread really uh you know kind of a lame analogy be careful you're in a fire because it might spread it might spread to places that you don't want to burn but i think that's relevant and i think that's what happens with your inner fire is that if you don't feel like your inner fire gets satisfied in the right way it can spread to somewhere else in your life or it can just make you resentful all around but helping your rivals realize their dreams is liberating. It helps you. I mean, you can't escape. I mean, the thing about doing good things or, you know, and I, and I say that without any righteousness, not like doing good. Like, I'm not talking about saving the world. I'm not talking about even like volunteering to help people or anything like that. Uh, I'm just talking about like doing things that relieve some kind of burden on this show when i say like doing good or doing good things i just mean something that relieves a burden from you relieves a burden from someone else and helping your rivals realize their dreams is one of the most burden lifting things that you can do for yourself and it's important to say for yourself because we have this idea that doing good is only when you're doing things for other people and then it's also easy to point out the hypocrisy of doing good things for other people because it makes you feel good and that shouldn't be a reason not to help people just because your ego is involved just because on some level you are serving yourself too doesn't mean you shouldn't do something
And I think that's actually the ideal situation when you are helping someone else and helping yourself. That seems like a win-win to me. If everyone is benefiting in some way, that's a win-win. It doesn't matter if you want to get egos involved. It doesn't matter. Um, and, and that's what happens when you help your rivals realize your dreams is that you give yourself greater access to that resource you thought you were in competition fighting for. You actually give yourself a lot more opportunities, a lot more angles, new perspectives to get that thing that you were after. And what the hell is it anyway? What the hell is it? You keep talking about this thing between two people who are, are fighting for it. And maybe there's 10 people. They're all standing in a circle trying to grab this diamond, this glowing diamond that's in the middle of all of them. And maybe it is that. Maybe it is a glowing diamond. But I think that's where... I think that's what helps you unlock some of this shit is realizing what the hell is that thing that I'm after? What is it that I think I'm going to get by pushing myself really hard because I think someone else is pushing themselves really hard to get this thing? I mean, you know, I have a dog now and it's funny, there's this little thing he does where if I drop a piece of food, he'll try to go for it. And, and if I try to reach down and get in his way and, and prevent him from getting it, he snaps at me. But you can actually trick him into thinking that there's a piece of food that got dropped too by pretending that you're trying to grab something that isn't there. So like I'll reach my hand down. Uh, it could even be between the couch cushion. I'll reach my hand down and act like I'm trying to grab something or hide something and get it away from him and he'll snap at me and he doesn't bite hard but he snaps you know it's it's the most aggressive he gets and it's funny because nothing's there you know he's getting really upset because he thinks i'm taking something that isn't even there and he's really smart so this isn't me trying to say he's dumb or anything i mean because we do it to ourselves constantly and that's my whole point is we do that to ourselves constantly we feel like there's this big hand that somebody's hand is reaching over to grab something that we didn't even see and we don't even know what it is or if it's even there but because we see somebody else doing it we think that something is being taken from us that we could have gotten and if it's an abstract idea like glory, attention, not that those are that abstract, but still, if there, if there are sensations, emotions, and that kind of thing that we're after, that gets tougher, you know, because you can't really measure it. And you're not going to look at something like that. You're not going to be able to look at something like that objectively. Because at least with the dog, you know, he knows what I'm, what my hand is doing. I'm doing the thing that I do when I'm trying to take food away from him that he shouldn't eat. So, of course, like, he has a very concrete idea of what that interaction is. He knows that, oh, because Eric's doing that with his hand, it means that he might be stopping me from getting a piece of food. And, you know, people do get into competition with each other over measurable resources like that, like food, like money. And you're always going to feel competitive if you're at a job interview 
and you know and you see the if you're at a job interview and, the, and you're in the waiting room and someone walks out of the office who had an interview immediately before you that's your rival like you're not going to escape the fact that 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 person who uh who, who is <laughs> the, the, in that case there's one job they're hiring for there's one job they're hiring for, and that person who was in there before you just made an impression on the interviewers. At least that's how you should think. You should think, that person in there who was interviewing before me, I bet they were really fucking good. And so I've got to be really fucking good. So there are situations like that, you know, where there really is just a very limited resource. There's one opening at this company, and you really need a job. Of course, you're going to see the, the other interviewees as competition, but it seems like with so many things that we do, it's it's for glory, it's for some sort of sensation, it's to feel like people are, are noticing you. A lot of it's just to feel noticed. And isn't that kind of what glory is anyway? You talk about glory like it's some grandiose idea. Glory just means, I know for sure that I'm being noticed. I know for sure that I'm being acknowledged. And so many people, that's what they don't feel. For so many people, that's the ultimate resource, is being noticed and being acknowledged. But the thing is, is you might not even realize how much you're already being noticed and acknowledged. You might be constantly wanting, I mean like, a great example is like, growing up, if you have a huge crush on a girl, at the end of the year, you're getting your yearbook signed, and that's not a euphemism. You're getting your yearbook signed. You got a crush on your girl and you're quote-unquote getting your yearbook signed. Uh, no, it's you're getting your yearbook signed at the end of the school year. You have a huge crush on this one girl. You have tunnel vision for her. A bunch of people sign your yearbook the last day of school. You know, a bunch of girls sign your yearbook even. Uh, and... The, the girl you like doesn't sign your yearbook because you can't muster up the courage to ask. You know, I know you might die. If you ask uh, the hot girl to sign your yearbook and she says no, people have died from that. <laughs> the sad thing is people have killed themselves over stuff that simple. Um, but, uh, but you know, you feel, oh, I might die. If I ask that girl to sign my yearbook and she she says no or she writes something really hollow and impersonal like have a nice summer and that's it I might die I might die if that girl doesn't sign my yearbook but you can see where it's like you're you don't feel noticed or acknowledged if that girl doesn't ask you to sign your yearbook if she doesn't ask you to swap yearbooks you feel unacknowledged and unnoticed by everybody even though all these other people were paying attention to you even though there might be people who you never even thought of who wrote paragraphs in your yearbook. But because it's not that girl, because it's not that person that you were focused on, you feel that you aren't even acknowledged at all. You feel completely unnoticed. And you should be aware of that. And not try to ignore it. I mean, you know, if that's how you feel, that's how you're going to feel. You know, if you feel that you need some sort of uh, validation from a specific person, you can't really escape that. You just have to let that ride out. It's not like you can say, it's not like identifying that, it's not like identifying that feeling is going to, you know, fix the situation for you. Uh, 
but as you get older, you know, <laughs> it sounds like I'm talking to teenagers here. That that is my fucking dream world, is teenagers listening to this show for advice. I didn't even think of it. I believe it or not, I've never thought of that. The idea of a teenager listening to this show. But I would fucking, I would die happy if I found out that this show got popular among teenagers. So maybe I need to start talking more like that. I feel like I already kind of talk that way. Like a teacher who's trying to be cool. Like the substitute teacher who's trying to be cool in front of kids. But maybe I need to do it even more. Maybe I need to really capture the teen market. Uh, but but you'll realize, like, as you get older... Uh, t- hello, teenagers. You know, but uh, as you get older, you'll realize, you know how silly it was when you were completely fixated on that one girl signing your yearbook and how you you spent the summer kind of sad because she didn't sign your yearbook as you get older you'll realize how silly that is and you'll be like i can't believe i thought that way i can't believe that my summer was a little bit lower than it should have been because that girl didn't sign my yearbook and you'll even think like, oh, I can't believe how, how hard I took that. I can't believe how hard I took that breakup. You know, oh my God, like that was so silly. And then a month later, something happens and you're fixated on a girl again. You know what I mean? Like you think that, you, you think that you've escaped that. You think, oh, teenagers are so funny and dumb that we get so hung up on that. And then you're, you're 35 years old, which I'm not yet. But let's just say you're 35 years old and this and then the same thing happens to you again and you're like oh yeah this isn't something you beat this isn't something you conquer this is something that's just there and you do gain perspective on it with age and especially if you can say oh yeah this is just something that's there sometimes just something that's there uh but uh go back let's gear let's let's swing back into something that teenagers can understand let's swing back to the that world of teenagers that's where i do my best work when i'm talking to teens when i'm talking to teens but the idea of like not feeling acknowledged or noticed when you're getting a lot of acknowledgement and a lot of people are noticing you but not the right people because that's something that I feel often, where it's not that I take people for granted, but sometimes I think the right people aren't giving me the credit I deserve. The right people aren't noticing what I'm doing. They aren't acknowledging what I'm doing. And it's not that I don't appreciate the people who are noticing. It's just that it doesn't feel like the right people are. But then when the right people do notice you or the right people do give you some kind of credit you realize they're just everybody else too you realize it's not that special you know maybe if they're your idol but it's like even if there's a girl that you really liked i don't know why i keep i think teenagers understand girls which is why i keep going back to that uh but it's but that's a great example of a resource that's how people see it at least that's how growing up how you see it where that's a resource you know, like your romantic interests are yet another resource and an obvious point of competition. Maybe the ultimate point of competition between men is a woman. They're both fixated on a woman. 
and only one of them in theory can have her you know so that's a situation that's the oldest competition right there the original competition I'd like to set that up you know with all this MMA bullshit which I'm not into I'll, I'll always stand up for pro wrestling but I don't watch it anymore I think the new thing needs to be men fighting over women the new TV show needs to be two men who both genuinely like a, a, the same woman who both have a genuine legitimate scientifically proven crush on the same woman and watching them fight over her you know not, not be horrible I don't want them to kill each other you know this has to be TV friendly but I would love to see two men fight each other over a woman on TV I mean I never liked boxing and I've never liked MMA I've never liked any of that stuff and I think it's because you know why are they fighting oh glory to prove themselves I'd like to see you guys fight over a woman it would really add something it would really add a narrative and it would never get old because throughout history that's never gotten old whether it's Sir Brian and Ivanhoe you know it doesn't matter there's always someone fighting over a woman you know so why don't we have that on TV I guess pro wrestling has done that a lot you know which is why I stand up for it because it covers all the it covers all the territory you need to cover in life how many storylines in pro wrestling have been someone's wife is now the manager or valet for another wrestler you know that was the the whole like macho man miss elizabeth storyline it's been done over and over again and it never gets old because it's the original competition it's the original it's like saying a hero shouldn't have a sword like saying like two saying a story shouldn't involve men competing over a woman is like saying a hero shouldn't have a sword you know it's it's the original it's the classic um so so use it don't be afraid to rely on the classics you don't have to reinterpret them you don't have to to change them in any way they've stood the test of time and they're very malleable they fit whatever circumstance you need them to fit whether it's you know cyberpunk science fiction or you know middle ages fantasy some of these classic themes will fit no matter what you don't need to hide them you don't need to change them uh, but uh, yeah, my, my big idea, what this, this, what this episode came down to was we need TV shows where men fight over the same woman. I would... <laughs> I don't know. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free.